First, they came to Maryhill against a backline that was prone. With lumping balls, they cast their tam into the shadow zone. The pars then bugged the gaffer's office with listening devices to get the scoop on who will be the new Cardinals and Penrices. They ransacked our Kai Kennedys, our Dorans and our Coles. Maybe next time you should nick a guy who stops own goals. The away fans were all bards, our commentators silenced. They ensured the Red Neil army would not enter their environs. The pars would only hear the faithful home fans of East End Park. Want to fuck Ken Lakey. This is pish pause. The angry fifers barked. Despite their shitty antics, the Jags still beat the pars, so take your Stevens Brady and stick it up your arse. Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on the game that sent us top of the Sinnish Championship is David Forrest. David, are you with us this week? I am with you this week. I just want to say one thing and one thing only. Get it the fuck up, you Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. Yep, some beautiful words from David at the start of the podcast there. Rhys Saldane's here. Rhys, how are you? I'm brilliant, mate. It feels absolutely amazing to be top of the league for a second week running. And after that performance, you can't grumble at all. You sure can. And rounding off our panel this week is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? And likewise, I'm great. It's been fantastic to be top of the league again. And yeah, what performance we got. We sure did. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you while you're here because I think you spoke about this the most in-depth last week about the, the starting 11 and the formation. We moved away from the 5-3-2 that we saw at home to Queen of the South into a more conventional 4-4-2, which we'd seen in the, the League Cup group stages. What were your thoughts when you saw the starting 11 on Saturday? When I saw the lineup, I was a lot happier with it than I was the week before. It was clearly a more attacking lineup. It seemed to be a 4-4-2 with Turner on the right. Uh, it was good to see Tiff starting again. We know what he can bring. He brings goals, he brings assists, brings pace. He's, you know, he's electric on that left-hand side. And every anytime you see an attacking lineup, I feel it's a positive. It gets you more excited for the game, and it's good to see us playing to our strengths this season. As you know, we know we've got goals on our side. We'd mentioned that maybe we were a little bit sus at the back, but I mean, I thought we were good defensively, and I was very pleased with the lineup. And I hope hope to see that get used again next week, except for injury or maybe a new signing coming in. So yeah, I was happy with it. Reese, was the energy sapped out of you before kickoff again, or were you more positive about the, the lineup on Saturday? <laughs> Funnily enough, no, this week, just for a change, um, Jamie hit the nail on the head. When I seen the lineup, I was pretty pleased with it because it's an attacking formation. I like the look of it. Obviously, we still not really got the exact personnel to play, I think, the way that we'd like, which ended up shoving Turner out wide, but it didn't seem to affect him, obviously, popping up with two assists 
from his set pieces. Had a great game on Saturday against his old club. And as Jamie's mentioned again, a wee bit different with a four at the back. But I thought the defence was outstanding, to be honest with you. We limited them hot shots that go from 20 yards. And then they had a couple of half chances late on. But we looked pretty comfortable. So all in all, I was happy with the, the lineup. David, you didn't watch the game live, but you did watch the whole thing on Sunday while you were writing your magnificent poem. What were your general thoughts on the performance on Saturday? Um, I uh, Yeah, we were absolutely excellent. I mean, there was kind of the temptation, certainly I think if you weren't a Thistle fan, to say that, you know, maybe attribute a lot of the performance to Dunfermline being downright wretched for quite a lot of it, maybe a lot of individual errors which are, were really quite shocking but we were excellent we we absolutely just went for them and I think like we talked before about how after the 4-2 game against the Firmly League Cup but the first 25 minutes were all over them and then Firmly looked really limp and lifeless and then obviously we get caught out with the back line and I think we all theorised at the time if we had a different back line that maybe it was a bit quicker to react or maybe a bit further back that wouldn't happen and it was just borne out that we took it to them. I, I don't know whether they maybe expected another sort of fairly easy game after the game at Firhill, but we made them look completely normal. And after the last couple of weeks of just, you know, them always having a number, it was just generally amazing to see. One person I want to really um, point out that I really loved was um, Stuart Bannigan. I think Stuart Bannigan was incredible I think especially the way that he marked Dorans in the first half there was several several chances where Dorans looked like he maybe have a break and Bannigan was just sprinting the whole length of the pitch to make sure he just didn't have anything and just completely negated him and I think that Bannigan as well like you don't really expect him to see him as a sort of marauding right back but he completely controlled Dorans throughout large portions of the game and I would really single him out as being a fantastic player. Um, I mean, he got into the team of the week um, in right mid, which sounds strange, but he really did command the right-hand side for quite a lot of the game. Um, and yeah, we were just great and we just never looked like slipping. And we just, you know, McCall even said it himself, he expects goals, we will score lots of goals and we showed it. And we had the defensive backline to to make sure that we didn't concede the mirror. And yeah, we were just brilliant. Uh, it's so true what David said there because I personally think that we have the best central midfielders in the league. <clears throat> you won't get a better trio than Bannigan, Doc and Turner. But I do think that Dunfermline have got a really good midfield as well. And as uh, David's just mentioned, like Dorans, for large chunks of that game, I really forgot that Graham Dorans was even on the park. Like Bannigan just pocketed him. He actually did. Uh, and I really like Reese Cole. I really liked him when he was here. I'm not one of the people that the, the younger fans absolutely idolise him and I'm not one of the old guys that can't stand him I just think he's quite a good player but it was good to see him drop a bit of a stinker at the weekend as well and if you're going to ask me who I'd rather take Reese Cole or Kyle Turner I think I'd take Kyle Turner 10 times out of 10 I think that's an interesting point Reese about um, Reese Cole I'm with you I think he was a good player but I think if you look at the three midfielders that you named there Turner, Bannigan and Dockery I think I'm taking Bannigan, Docker, and Turner over Cole every day of the week, no matter which one you put up against Cole. Jamie, do you have any general thoughts on Saturday? I thought we were brilliant on Saturday. You know, we started with a real intent, which was great to see. You know, against Queen of the South, we did take quite a while to get into the first gear. You know, we were kind of a bit slow at the start. We grew into the game, but on Saturday, we were really 
fast starting. You know, we were pacey down the right and left. You could you could see that playing with wingers definitely. I'd say it's playing to our strengths, playing with wingers, because it's the kind of formation that I like is playing when we've got some width and pace in the side, even though we do still need to get another winger in. I thought it worked well. Dunfermline were, if I'm going to be honest, they were terrible. They were making so many mistakes. Their keeper was atrocious, but we looked brilliant, and I was really happy to see us score two corners. I know we'll talk about that more later, but it's a rarity to see us score a set piece in recent years. So to score two in uh, one half was brilliant. And yeah, I thought we looked fantastic. And in the second half, we maybe took a bit longer to get started. And Furman clearly came out with an intent to get back into the game. But once we nullified that after maybe 10 minute, a 10 minute spell of them looking dangerous, we we just kind of slowed the game down nicely. Then we got the third goal and we had a, one or two more chances to get another one. But I thought we looked really good. I thought Harry Stone was fantastic. You know, I thought he, he commanded his area really well, pulled off some great saves, that header into the second half and the other one we were already free up and he just kind of tipped it wide I think maybe it clipped the post I'm not sure and it went out wide but I thought he was really good the defence looked solid throughout the entire game I don't really remember them making any errors that cost us anything at all uh, the midfield were just nice and tidy they were compact they got their passes off well again no errors and Brian Graham and Zach Rodden you know they were great up front Zach Rodden once again doing the dirty work getting in, getting in players' ways, getting tackles in, moving the passing. I thought he was good. Same with Brian Graham doing the dirty work as well. You can see he was frustrated not to get a goal because obviously his goal-to-game record so far this season has been really impressive. And as David mentioned earlier, Bannigan as well was fantastic. I thought he had another really good game and was in for a shout and mile of the match. But I've got to give it to Kyle Turner, who was outstanding. You can see he had a point to prove on Saturday after the falling out with Unferman, and he definitely proved that point. I think for me, the... The main thing that was the base of our performance, and I know we had a, a brief chat on Saturday in the group chat about it, was the sort of height of the line and the change to the back four. So the change, I said last week that I thought Foster and McKenna looked really uncomfortable at wing back, but they, they looked anything but this week and there's a more conventional back four with in full back positions. And with Lewis Mayo in the team, you can still play a high line, but it was never stupidly high where um, Foster and McKenna, you know, the slightly slower members of the back four, couldn't recover. But with Mayo's pace, you can still play a high enough line to assert yourself in the games. And I thought Mayo was absolutely outstanding. The pace he's got is such a huge asset to us. I was watching him on Saturday and I was thinking he's all the good bits of Steven Anderson and all the good bits of Mo Senna when we were in proper Senna mania last season. Like he's really quick and strong, but he's also got like the defensive mind of that experienced 34, 35-year-old centre-back who just heads and kicks everything clear. He's like the perfect the perfect combination of them both. And I, th- I think he's going to be really key to us. And him and Bannigan, for me, with outstanding players, I know you've touched on him, David, and I know we get into the, the team of the week on the right wing, which was a bit a bit weird because I think he was crammed in there just because there were so many midfielders because he, did, he really did run the show in the middle of the park on Saturday. I thought he was brilliant. I totally agree about Lewis Mayo. <clears throat> I think he's... I think it's going to be an absolute colossus for us at the back. I just think, as you mentioned, everything about this game is so te- technically astute. I think he, as a player, can go to the very top. <laughs> as you say, like, he's got all the good attributes of like defenders of our past. It's like, as you mentioned, if you're picking parts here and there of each player and you can put it all on it on, sounds a bit mad saying about a player who's played about six times for us, but <laughs> just getting fucking... I don't even know what to say, but he is proper good. I'm talking absolute shit. Was it yeah. you? But, 
Mate, I'm actually so surprised no one like kinda pulled me up for this going, Oh, but he was had a loan spelt on Finland, letting a fact get in the way of a good be another fact, you know what I mean? But one of the longest run. unbeaten runs in Thistle history, probably. Um, Jamie, you touched on Harry Stone, the goalkeeper. Uh, Ross Alexander got in touch uh, this week to ask who we want to see as the long-term number one. I know we're all um, pretty big fans of Snedden on the podcast, but impressed with Stone on Saturday. Do you see him being the, the long-term number one for the season now? Um, yes, to be honest. I've always felt bad for Snedden because I've never thought my goal rating that highly, to be honest. And Harry Stone, obviously, is a big prospect and there's a reason McCall brought him in. So, once again, it looks like Snedden could be playing second fiddle to Harry Stone, which is going to be incredibly frustrating for him. And as we've said this before, there's only so much he's going to be able to take of it. This is obviously, I was just guessing, we don't know what's going to happen. But after the shutout and the good performance, I can't see Harry Stone getting dropped for the Arbroath game. But we don't know what's going to happen further down the season. Stone could get injured or he could fall out of form. And we don't know. Snedden could do well in training, get a chance, we have no idea but for the for the next game I definitely see Harry Stone starting it um, I'm glad we have two goalkeepers who when I see them in goals I'm never nervous seeing them in, it's two keepers I'm happy to have at the club Yeah, the the Stone save that you mentioned at 3-0 where I think he sort of saved it with his foot and it might have clipped the post, I thought that was an exceptional save um, I know from like the sort of just watching it first time, you might, you might think that just hit him, but he really did move his feet across the goal well and spread himself really well. And he did flick his flick his sort of feet out to get it away. I thought that was a great save. And he's, and I know we're maybe going a bit crazy, a bit overboard on players that we've we've only seen play a handful of times. But I thought he looked like he had a really mature head in his shoulders, like just the way he slowed things down in the second half when maybe other younger goalkeepers would be a bit excited, try and start quick counter attacks, just play at a normal pace. He really took the sting out of the second half and it's not quite like Tam Cherney levels of shithousery, but it's just really mature goalkeeping and as you say, the command of his box as well. I thought he was really impressive. Um, David, any thoughts on the, the goalkeeping situation at the moment? Yeah, again, it's it seems to be, you know, you, you put 50p in one of us and we all say the same thing every week. It's, I feel sorry for this, the situation that Stevens and always having to battle to be number one, but it, it very much is um, the thing where he's just been here for so long and he's always just never had a, an unblemished run, but you can't really drop stone after that. The two saves at the end were fantastic. He made two saves in, in a couple of minutes apart from each other and they were both fantastic and you, you can't drop someone who does something like that I, I do I, I do always wonder about the the idea of having a, a goalkeeper on loan and using him as your basis for the season about what you do after that happens because I don't think there's any chance of us getting stolen on a permanent after this year and it's kind of well, make the best of, make the best of them for the year and then at the end of the year you're left with presumably Snedden leaving and um, no main goalkeeper that I think, you know, it's a bit of a worry, but you can't drop him with the sort of the performance he had. And as you say, he's very mature goalkeeping and he's shown um, knowledge above his years and he's a, he's a fantastic talent. We kind of need to cherish him while he's here. So I think you need to keep Stone in there. But um, again, I, I like, I, I think the more games we see with Stone, the less likely we're going to see of Stead being in it here at the end of the year. So, 
you need a balance. I, I don't know. Like there, there was there was a half decent balance last year with Sned and then right. I I don't know if it's necessarily going to be that. I think it's going to be Stone number one for the vast majority of the season, barring injuries. I think the balance between Sned and Wright last year was mainly down to like timings of Wright being away on international duty and then an injury to to each of them really, which sort of forced McCall's hand. Just thinking back to two seasons ago when it was Fox and Snedden and Scott Fox played every game in every competition. I'm thinking we've got the, I don't know what, what the sponsor is now, but the, the Challenge Cup this season, which I suppose you'd like to see Snedden get minutes in that and maybe the Scottish Cup as the season goes on because he is a good goalkeeper and as we've talked about several times now, if he doesn't get the minutes, he'll leave. That would be a shame. But um, yes, Dorn was very impressive on Saturday. Rhys, I'm going to come to you with the next listener question. We've we've spoken a lot about the goalkeepers there and Mayo's influence and um, how impressed we are with the midfield. Alan McMillan's asked, how many can Graham and Rudden score this season? If you want to put a, a rough guess on the number that those two will reach. Well, Graham's got six for the season already and we've only just moved into August. I think last week it was, I was saying he's probably in a 20-goal season now. And... Rudden as well. I think Rudden and Graham are equally good goal scorers, but I think at times this season, Rudden's going to have to give up his sort of goal scoring prowess a wee bit to do some more of the dirty work for Graham. Obviously, they'll both get take turns each, but I just feel as if Rudden will do more of the dog work, do you know what I mean? So I think it sounds, it sounds mad saying stuff like this. Like both your strikers are going to get over 15 goals, but Rudden could easily aim for 10, 15. I mean, he got. He got eight goals, seven goals for us last season. They only scored, started scoring in the last month or so. So who knows? I'd like to... I think Graham could definitely reach 18-20. Uh, I'd like to think Rudden won't be too far behind. And if we get anywhere near that, we're in for a really good season. We'd be right up there. So here's hoping. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think 30 between the two. And I think if, if those two get 30 goals... It's, it would be very unlikely we wouldn't be in the promotion conversation. Not saying that would guarantee us winning the league, but I think 30 goals between those two, and you look at the goals that are coming from elsewhere on the team at the moment, I think would be would be well in the mix. The, the, the good thing is, is a lot of times when we struggle for goals, it's been that we've, we've maybe had players that you don't that maybe just shrink and don't show up, or they don't really they aren't goal scoring sort of players. We we have people. Pretty much all over the park. I mean, like you're, we're talking about, like you know, Graham and Rudden getting thirty, and we've not even mentioned Scott Tiffany. And Scott Tiffany was the revelation who pretty much carried us to the league one title last season. Has been excellent all season. Kyle Turner with his two assists. You've got Bannigan and Doherty who can, you know, they can pull a goal out from places. Um, even like you know, like your defenders and stuff like, like Foster and that can can really pull pressure. We've got goals in players that aren't Rudden and Graham and it's really exciting that you've got these sort of backups where even if Rudden or isn't firing all cylinders or Graham doesn't get a goal, you'll get goals elsewhere, which I think is really exciting when you're thinking about what they'll get together and then adding everything else on. I think that that's what McCall talks about, about getting lots of goals, is that we have options. Definitely, David. See, just like in years gone by, not even years gone by, maybe even months ago, you look at our bench and it was like, it was a bit sparse. You're looking at James Lyon, Billy Owens. Not to say they're not good players, but they're not going to really win you games. They're not going to get you goals. You look at our bench at the weekend, you had Ross McIver, Conor Murray, Cammy Smith, uh, all to choose from at your disposal. All three of those players have got a good amount of goals in them. So it's really good to have these options there for you. 
I, I was looking at the bench from Saturday recent. I was I was about to tweet. Um, I've not seen a bench this good in like about four years, I think, since the season we get relegated in the, the Premier League. I remember all the talk was how good our bench was, and I thought, no, I best not tweet that because I will only go one way. But not as you say, it was. I thought McCall actually nailed the substitutions on Saturday. I know we've given McCall maybe a wee bit of stick in the past for substitutions. I remember a couple of games last year, maybe the Forfar game at home and one or two others where I either left the subs too late or just didn't make the right ones. But I thought um, the subs that come on really affected the game and they were the right subs at the right time for McCall. So I think he deserves a bit of praise for that. It's just touching on the subs one last time. I thought Cammy Smith looked a real handful. I thought he looked really powerful in the ball, really explosive. And he was unlucky not to score. And obviously set up the third goal, so I really like the look of him. I think he could be a big player for us also. While, while we're still on different ways of scoring goals, Jamie, I'll come to you on this one. We scored two goals from corners on Saturday, and I don't think we've looked as big a threat from that from set pieces since Sean, Will, eh, Sean Welsh used to cross for Liam Lindsay five or six years ago. So do you think we've turned a corner in set pieces? Is Turner going to be a sort of catalyst in that area, or do you think it was just a one-off from, from some poor defending from Clinton Fairman's part? I'd say it's a bit early to say that we've definitely turned a corner, but Turner definitely looks like he's got a good delivery on him. Picking up two assists so early into the campaign is a great start for him. Scoring two corners and two halves, I think, and one half, sorry, I mentioned this earlier, was unknown to us in recent years. Like you said, it's kind of been since Lindsay. It was the last time we actually had a big person in the box who we got a decent delivery into and who would score from it. I know we've had some big men in the box over the last few years, like, McGinty and uh, Brownlee and stuff but the goals never seem to have to come off but Doherty is one of the smallest men in the park managed to rise high and get it but like you said it is a bit down to them Farman's terrible defending and you know Mehmet is that how you say it I'm not 100% sure but their goalkeeper um, made a complete mess of the second one and Holt had an open goal basically but Turner's definitely got a good delivery on him and we've got some tall men in the box this season like Mayo or Mayo and Holt a few others so I think we've got a chance of scoring a good number of corners this season and yeah, we've got a player like Turner who's got technical ability, he does, and I think we're in for a, a much better season for set pieces than we have in recent years. I, I was going to say, because I, I seem to remember when you posted this question earlier on in the chat, I remember we had this conversation uh, at the end of the end of last season, I believe it was with Mark, I might have been on the pod, it might have been in a Skype chat watching him, whatever, but I remember that we scored from a corner then, can't remember which game it was, and Mark said... Uh, when was the and then like a week or two later Mark said when was the last time we scored from a corner because I think we did it again and you went we scored one like 10 days ago um, where we went for a phase of being really good at set pieces during the, the sort of the golden month um, as we'll call it now where we, we actually did score one or two from corners and we looked really deadly from set pieces that people just couldn't handle I think Graham is a huge part in that because Graham can get a bullet header from pretty much anywhere if he's within about 10 yards of a ball in the air he'll somehow get his head on it and um, he absolutely loves a headed goal but yeah no I, I definitely think like, you could see the building blocks of it in the sort of the, the big month where we won the league one title but you can definitely see that we've really made strides in it I'm not going to say we are now set piece experts because I've literally seen us for about what eight years be quite poor at set pieces outside of like Welsh and Lindsay so yeah um, I think we're a lot lot better than we used to be but uh, definitely In fairness to Mark um, David I'll defend him as he's not here 
if we scored a goal from a corner 10 days ago last season at the end of the season, that was probably about eight games ago. So it was way back in his memory at the end of that season. Um, I want to ask you, because we spoke about last week, I asked for a score prediction and a league finish prediction. And we also have tentatively predicted draws and narrow victories and maybe second or third in the league. Does a statement victory like that at the weekend go into what's probably a promotion rival and winning in such a convincing manner change your opinion? Does anyone think, this is a daft question, does anyone think we're now title favourites? Is anyone more confident in our chances? Anyone get any thoughts on that? Um, I wouldn't say title favourites, but I'll stick with my top two prediction. Um, I really, in my head, I think we play better football than Kelly and I think we're a better side than Kelly. But I think Kelly will just have this thing this thing about them where you see it with like clubs like Ross County, for example, where they'll grind out shitey one 0 victories all season. Like that at the weekend, an injury time when they're away to Queen in the South, like they'll get that at least five times this season. Late goals like that, we fluky goals and they'll just pile on pressure on teams and it'll eventually pay off. So I think I do think we'll be up there. And I said top two, I've said top two for the last couple of weeks, but a wee bit of my mind's now thinking towards top two and not second. I mean, I think we could be top one. I mean, the result definitely sends out a statement, I'd say, because we've comfortably beaten one of the sides who are many are predicting to do well this season. Even some people are saying they're going to win the league, Dunfermline. Uh, I don't know if they're still predicting that now after one point from the opening two games, but um, I don't get too carried away. It's quite early into the season, so I'm going to stick with my prediction. I know I might be seeming pessimistic to some fans, but I've been saying fourth the whole time with a little bit of leeway into third. So I'm going to stick with that. Uh, fourth with a chance of third, that's why I'm going to probably stay, stick with it because if we're honest, I'm fairly more pretty shocking, but we were good. So I don't want to take anything away from us by just saying, I don't feel like we're crap. So that's the reason that we won the game. The reason we won the game was because we were playing well. You go back a couple of seasons ago when we weren't playing well, even if they've been playing shite, you think back to that game just before Archie got sacked where we lost 1-0. Neither side were great that night, but we lost because we weren't playing well. The Verland weren't playing well, we were playing well, so we got we go away with the win. So we are looking like a good side, and I definitely think the side can do something this season. If we do finish higher than fourth, I wouldn't be surprised at it, but right now I'll stick to the uh, prediction. I do agree with Reese. I think Kelly will win the league. I think they're going to... Well, I know he's not outright saying they're going to win the league, but I think they will be that kind of side that picks up fluky wins because I have not watched the game, but I heard that on Twitter that Queen's have actually did defend pretty well. And done, uh, not defend, sorry, Kelly were quite lucky to snatch a late one. And they're going to be that side. You know, They've got some good players in there, like Chris Bark, who's a player who can create something out of nothing get them a goal out of nowhere so I think they have got enough to carry them probably to the title but I definitely think we we're definitely one of the title candidates but I'm not saying we are the title favourite just what you're saying there as well um, about how we played well and Dunfermline weren't that great but I've seen us play better in those games so that can only be a good thing going on 100% Reese. I was just going to quickly touch on Kelly I think Tommy Wright's a big factor because we've seen for years with St. Johnson, he doesn't need a team to be playing well to be successful. If he can keep clean sheets at this level, which he's done already, two and two games, that that's such a huge um, advantage at this level because I don't think you need too much at the other end of the pitch to cause uh, defensively poor teams' problems. Um, as we maybe saw in the first game against Queen of the South when we maybe weren't quite at it but still 
scored three goals and created plenty. You know, if you can keep clean sheets, you, you don't need too much at the other end to to cause teams problems. And I think we'll probably see that from Kilmarnock this season. I think they'll be be solid. I also just wanted to talk about the sort of statement victory. And I remember when Ross County won the league when they bounced straight back up. They came down to Dunfermline, and I think it was their second or third game, but it wasn't any later than that. And they went to Dunfermline, and they won three one. And it, that was the season where we just came down as well. So there was Dunfermline in the league. Inverness were really strong at that time. Uh, Ross County, ourselves, and that was a real statement victory from County early on. And they ended up not running away with it, but winning the league comfortably. And you hope we could maybe do something like that. Obviously, Kelly are going to be tough opposition, but I think. It can't really be understated how important that sort of victory can be to a side early on, just for confidence. It's something you can hold on to in, in tough moments throughout a season where you may be struggling in a game and you can sort of use those positive memories to, to get you through a game. Starting well is a massive thing. It's something that we've lacked in recent years. You know, We haven't won on the opening day since 2016 and we haven't really started a season well in a long time. But starting a season well like this, could go on to do a lot more for us if we pick up some early points this season we may have dropped another ones that can have a massive impact in the season and also any potential signings if they see that we're doing well that may be a project that they want to become a part of and McCall can sell it to them even better than he normally can because we know he is good at convincing players to join and if he can sell to them like we're, you know, we're pushing for a back-to-back promotion we're really going for that it's only words but we've started the season really well we're top of the league now he can show it with some evidence as well it's massive, that sort of thing. And maybe it could, it generally could be the difference having a good start between getting a signing that does go on to really help your season have a big impact or a rival stealing your signing, like a Kilmarnock, a Dunfermline or whatever. Earlier this week, David spoke to Ewan Smith from The Courier to preview next week's game at our growth. Things you never knew, you never knew. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Can you paint with all the colours of the wind? Can you paint with all the colours of the wind? And now I'm joined by Ewan Smith. I am a reporter with The Courier and DC Thompson to discuss the Arbroath game um, on the 21st. Uh, Ewan, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it, David. Um, it's good to speak to Partick Thistle supporters. You know, it's a uh, it's one of my, my favourite grounds, to be honest with you, to go to. Um, I do love it, and I love the supporters there as well. You know, I know it's I know it's the old adage, and I'm going to get absolutely pillared for this, but it's the old adage. It's all students that are there, but it's not. It's not all students. It's is not, it? and I'll, I'll wire you your twenty quid um, afterwards for the for the intro. Um, so we're going to talk about our, our bros um, season up to now. Um, obviously, we will, by the time we get to that game, we'll be three games in. Um, our bros, I believe, are in the last sixteen mm-hmm. of the League Cup this weekend. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, you've you've had a good your good preseason in the League Cup. So just want to talk about our bros, um, preseason, how you think they've shaped up. Yeah, I think I think they've been actually great. You know, the thing about a growth over the last three or four years, or pro- probably actually, I need to qualify that the last six years since Dick Campbell came in, he took them over when they were second bottom of League Two, 
Um, he kept him in the league that year, and then it's just been all success since then. You know, he won the league the next year. He got them up. They solidified their place in League One. Then they won the league again. And to be honest, they're one of the most reliable teams in Scotland, I would say. You turn up knowing that every single player is going to give their all, and generally you'll get a performance out of them. And more often than not, in recent times, you're getting some form of a result. Um, the League Cup, they did exceptionally well in the League Cup. Um, they only lost one game, and that was a 1-0 uh, defeat to Dundee United. And it was Charlie Mulgrew scored a... He caught, he caught Derek Gaston, the goalkeeper, totally unaware with a with a quick free kick in, in the corner. But, um, yeah, they progressed nicely. I mean, they, they played a tough Kelty Hearts side. Let's make no mistakes that Kelty Hearts have some cracking players. You'll know Joe Cardo very well. Um, you're probably disappointed he's no longer at Fissel anymore because he's an incredibly skillful player. Um, but, yeah, they caused a bro- some problems, but a broth were too strong for them. Um, against Inverness, they started the season. They would be disappointed, actually, not to take some of that game. I think Billy Dodds was quite um, relieved when he left the stadium, knowing that he decided actually won that game. And the the game that we've had most recently, I know, I know this will go out after us, but Air United, they were 2-0 up down at Somerset. They had a penalty kick. Nicky Lowe steps up, normally reliable from the spot. He hits the crossbar, and then Air United get two goals back. So... Results haven't fallen their way, but it's very much like the start of last season for me, where for the first five or six games, the results didn't fall for Abroth, but you could see real signs that there's a team there, and if they could just click into gear, then it would work. The one thing that's missing from Abroth is goals, and they had that with Jack Hamilton last season. They had one loan from Livingston um, from January point, and Jack Hamilton's goals essentially kept Abroth up. I think he scored... I think, if I'm memory's correct, he scored eight goals and it was almost a third of their goals tally in the league last season, um, which isn't a high tally, clearly. Um, so they do miss goals, um, but by the time they play Partick Thistle, because I know I speak to Dick Campbell regularly and I know he's actively pursuing a striker, they might have that um, goal-scoring hero in time for Partick Thistle. Just don't let them firm one, though. They'll nick them. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's good. So, um, like in terms of obviously maybe lacking a goal-scoring threat, um, is there any players that you would really single out that we should be looking out for? Obviously, there's a really famous name uh, for uh, our bro and uh, James Cregan, um, mm-hmm. who obviously scored the the monumental goal against Morton in the championship winning season. Would you say that he's one to look out for or is there anybody else that is kind of sticking out? Oh, I mean, the party fans will love James. I mean, I love James as well. To be honest, when I was working with Abroth TV last year, uh, James actually requested uh, that he came on and did media, uh, pre-match punditry and stuff like that with us. Um, He loves all that and he wants to go into that. And I saw him on Twitter a few weeks ago when there was a, a tweet about uh, Andy Robertson's first game and it was against Partick Thistle and there's an image of uh, James Cregan shaking his long locks at that stage and he was talking about how he was looking for a, a contract with a shampoo company, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> but James James Cregan apart, James is a very good player but he's he's been, he's actually probably not got as much game time as he would have liked recently for Abroth, he's been in and out and he's been used in a number of positions, he's been used in a central midfield, he's been used out wide, he's been used in defence, you know, he's been used in an attacking midfield role. But there, I, for me, the standout player for Abroth, and I'm scared to tell you this in case somebody comes and nicks him, is Nicky Lowe. Uh, now, Nicky Lowe came in last season. It was a shock signing for Abroth because um, he came in from East Stirlingshire, um, but he came in from them because, obviously, their season had been curtailed. 
um, and he'd played at a much higher level. He started off at Aberdeen. Um, he played in the League Cup final in 2014 for Aberdeen. He played about 30-odd games, and he played at Dundee and Queen of South, but he's, his career has been blighted by injury. And I did an interview with him when he just arrived, and he said that he was he, he thought about quitting football at 27 because he was fed up with injuries. I think that's the only reason Arbroath have managed to get him. Um, but he has been sensational for Arbroath. Very composed on the ball. Um, he'll harry players. He'll win the ball. He reads the game so well. He can. He, he bosses the midfield. Um, he's outstanding. Um, we've also got Bobby Lynn. I mean, you must know Bobby Lynn. Bobby Lynn is Bobby Lynn is our Joe Cardo, to be honest with you. Um, he's just. He's. I think he's thirty five now, going on thirty six. But he looks. He keeps himself incredibly fit. I mean, he's another guy I've done a story on, and he. Um, He's got a friend who's a boxer and, 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 he, and he goes and he does boxing training with him, but he runs up and down Law Hill in Dundee, which if anybody's ever been there, it's an incredibly steep hill. Um, it's Rocky-esque running up and down that he does there. Um, so he is probably one of the fittest players. He spoke to me and told me that he does um, around 40,000 steps a day um, sometimes when, when, when you're talking about between his job as a binman, when he does his training with Arbroath and then he also does his additional training with the boxing training. So, um, yeah, he, he he's very skillful, very talented. Um, I think in, in defence, to be perfectly honest with you, I know I'm sounding incredibly biased here, but I think Arbroath's defence is right up there with the best in the league. Um, um, it's been so solid over the years. If... Tam O'Brien, who's currently injured his back, I think he probably will be back. You've got Colin Hamilton, who's very dependable uh, fullback. You've got Ricky Little alongside Tam O'Brien. They've also just signed Liam Henderson from Edinburgh City, who's been an absolute steal, I think. He looks very composed on the ball. It drives forward. He can pass out of defence. He can win tackles. Um, and then they've, they've also signed Chris Hamilton, who's on loan from Hearts as a young player. But um, it might not be him, it might be Jason Thompson who comes in, who's got a lot of experience with Rafe Rovers, but their, their defence is solid. The one thing, I'm saying this ironically because Arbroath have just lost two goals late on to Air United, but normally with Arbroath, if they go ahead, they're a very difficult side to pull back against. Yeah, and especially at Gayfield as well. It's it's always it's difficult as it is um, at Gayfield, as we know, obviously, uh, the weather or not. But yeah, like it, it, you know, I can imagine the... They know their ground well. They 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 know they know how to play the game, and they can grind out results. This is what what you ultimately want from a team like Arbroath, isn't it? You're not expecting them to be you know yeah. galactical. Is it's no, they are all part time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the fact the fans are realistic about it. You know, I mean, Bobby Lynn's the big hero because he's he's very technically gifted on both feet. You know, he can he can he can bring the ball down from the sky, trap it, and he can beat a man. So they love him, but. What they love more than anything else, and I think we could see this for a lot of football fans, is somebody that's really going to play for that jersey and is going to give their all for 90 minutes. And if they walk off that pitch and they can tell that all 11 players have given their all, even if Arbroath lose the game, they very rarely turn on their team. That's the one thing about the fans. They very rarely go home and, and have a moan or a gripe. You know, it's it's almost like your old manager used to fall back on, the, oh, well, we performed well, but we lost 4-0. The fans quite often do that, Arbroath. Yeah, they'll be upset some weeks, but if they can see their team putting a performance, then that's it for them. And it's all about that. They're the only part-time team in the league. You know, they're up against it every week, um, but their fitness levels never seem to show. 
Uh, they never they never seem to tire in the last five minutes, and that's the thing I would be mindful of. Uh, Partick, I saw Partick towards the end of last season uh, when they played against Montrose. They'd lost the game, but I think they'd already won the league at that stage. So yeah. there was a few players being tried out, and different. And Montrose had something to go for because they were trying to get in the playoff spot. Um, and there's a lot of guile and craft and creativity about that Partick side. Um, certainly from what I could see. Yeah, I think I think that's really important. That sense of identity and connection to the club, you know, and and clearly it sounds to me as though Ian McCall's decided the type of players I want are not only players that are technically gifted or players that I think I can mould into a team, but it's players that will that will really appreciate the jersey and play for the jersey. I mean, we we had a, a moment a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, with supporters coming back, it's been a big deal for players. And Bobby Lynn was getting substituted, and he's on the far touchline. Um, and normally the old time-wasting tactic is you pull yourself out and then you go as far away as you possibly can and then run <laughs> run towards. But he, he decided, oh, I'm coming off at this side of the pitch because I'm going to have to walk all the way around the pitch and there's fans all the way around this pitch and I'm just going to uh, uh, soak up all their applause as I walk around. And that's what he did. He walked around as slow as he possibly could and, and I think every person in the stadium applauded him as he walked around. You know, and I, That's the kind of connection you want as a supporter you want somebody that actually feels the game the way you you feel it as you're you're standing watching the game um and that to me is worth that extra five or ten percent on the pitch and it's what i both have got in abundance that every single player leaves nothing nothing on nothing left on that pitch you know they will walk off and their jersey's absolutely soaking they've given their absolute all um and if Partick have got a team like that in this league I think they could do bits. You know, they could do well in this league if they've got a team like that because it's the teams that I noticed in the last few years that don't do that, that's, that struggle. Um, I spoke about Dunfermline. You've just you've just had a, an outstanding result at East End Park. But when I both beat Dunfermline last season at Gayfield, um, a 2-0 game, we spoke about the wind and obviously the wind had a big impact on it. But the other thing that had an impact on it was we had 11 players from our both who were given their absolute all, determined to win a game. And there was the family players on that team that, that turned up, saw a bit of wind and thought, I don't fancy it today. And yeah. that, for me, that's unforgivable if you're a football fan and you, you've got players in your team that you can see that can't be bothered turning up today. Obviously, this is probably the first away day for most fans because, um, you know, we did get to the St. Mirren game, Sten Hushmere game as well. It was, it was very late at night and then it was just friendlies before. So this is... Abroth is, is very much seen as the the pre, one of the best away days in Scotland. We actually voted it as our favourite um, on our away day guide a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, your, your thoughts on Abroth as as a sort of destination for the day. How how do you think it's going to be like for uh, you know? Well, mainly I want to know is is Pleasureland still there? Pleasureland's still there, yeah. Um, we've, had, we've had a spell during the, the lockdown period where the trampolines were vacant, so you didn't have the pleasure of sitting in the Gayfield stands and watching people bounce up and down behind the goal during during the game. But I think that'll be back, so we'll have we'll have that fun. Yeah, that, that, all the fun at the fair there. Um, hopefully, um, from our bros' perspective, the wind machines turned up quite high um, because we we do like the wind down the Costa del Gayfield, to be honest with you. Um, um, there was a game last season um, against Dunfermline and I both absolutely to be honest with you for the 45 minutes the first 45 with the wind at their back they absolutely battered Dunfermline um, they went in 2-0 up and it could 
without an exaggeration, it could have been five or six at half time. Um, for some reason, uh, Dolphernan came out and I fully expected it would be an onslaught, but Dolphernan didn't seem to use the win to their advantage. But maybe it's just that both players know how to play it. But yeah, I would I would prepare for wind because there's very few games I've been to over the last dozen years where it's not been windy down at Gayfield. I am, um, well, there was always talk about, obviously we had the heat wave a couple of weeks ago um, and there was talk about there's going to be another heat wave at the end of August for two weeks. And I'm like, we're playing our broth. What the fuck's it going to be like going to Arbroath in a heatwave? How does that work? Like, I can't, I can't possibly comprehend the idea of going to Arbroath in like good weather. Um, but I remember the last time we played at Gayfield, um, it was one of the worst experiences in terms of just like it was bracing. It put hairs in your chest. You know how like when you're a kid and your mm-hmm. your parents would tell you eat your liver and onions because it will put hairs in your chest and it will build character. It very much was a character. Well, I think it was thirty five yeah. mile an hour winds. A quiet breeze in and our broth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Scott Fox didn't quite get the memo and just kept punting it and just out for a for a throw in every time till a man behind him and at the, the ran up to the. The, the the board and just started screaming punt it into the sea it will come back <laughs> in and he just couldn't get it it was, it was just the worst man it was an absolute disaster so but um matt our co-host um <laughs> he took his get up his soon to be a uh, wife on one of their first dates away it was to that our bro came in January oh, wow. five mile an hour wins. I know that the se- the second she didn't immediately dump them when they got home, you knew that it was just that that it was, oh, de- it was definitely if you've been if you've experienced that then you know that that's <laughs> that's that's it solidified then for life if you've ever been able to do that. I mean I would uh, probably be dumped at half time if it was anyone else, you know. So, but yeah, you talk about you talk about the weather, right? Let me give you a couple of instances. Uh, well, a few instances of weather at Gayfield that have been quite humorous over the years. Um, I don't know if you recall a game I both played against Air United uh, probably about four or five years ago now. Um, and there's a famous clip that's gone around social media and it's of Bobby Lynn, our master winger. Um, he's, he's going to line up to take a corner and because Gayfield is the closest ground to a major sea in European football, um, the, the North Sea waves are cr- literally crashing over the side of the terrace and he got absolutely drenched as he went to take that corner kick. Um, there is a video, you need to look at that video you see it. I was speaking to Joel Nubley, who's the um, the new goal-scoring striker who's got one goal to his name that they signed from Aldershot um, and he, he was keen to watch that video. The other thing you've probably seen on my Twitter feed a few weeks ago is the pre-match interview with Dick Campbell where the gust of wind comes and blows the advertising hoarding over and it knocks uh, Dick Campbell in the head and um, uh, he's not too chuffed about it, to be honest with you. Um, and the third one uh, was a game against Stirling Albion a few years ago and it was round about, I think it was Boxing Day actually, they were playing Stirling Albion. And I think I've seen this one, I think I know this one, yeah. It's just the goalkeeper's going to take a goal <laughs> kick and the, and the ball actually blow, blows back and it goes out for a, blows back and goes out for a corner to a broth. Um, I think it's at that point the referee decides it's maybe just a wee bit too windy for this game to continue. So that game did get abandoned at half time. Um, but you can expect that. Um, I was at Gayfield a few weeks ago when they played a friendly match against St Johnston and it was actually sizzling sunshine. Um, I mean, it was a, a glorious night. So um, you can pack your your warm jackets and everything like that, but also pack a little bit of sun cream in case we have a freak weather 
uh, conditions down in, in Arbroath. I mean, I'm lucky enough, like, through the, well, it's through the journalism, and then also last year, Arbroath asked me to do their commentary, um, but I was doing the newspaper reports at the time. I was freelancing at the time, but, um, and I was doing the, I was doing it, but I was lucky enough in one of our, uh, one of the club's biggest fans, Fermer, was alongside me, and he was kind of asked by the club to do it, but it was such a surreal experience sitting in a stadium with no supporters, and it just wasn't right, you know, it's like, I went to a game towards the end of last season, um, very, very end in the playoffs with Kelty Hearts. Um, we're playing against Brecon, yeah. And the, I, I was I was down at both games. I was at the game in Kelty, and the the Kelty game was the first time I'd been in a stadium with fans for um, well over a year. And f- even for me, when Kelty got a corner kick, just the roar of anticipation and things like that. That's for me. That's what it's all about. And I think it's having an impact on games. So for guys like yourself that have missed so long, like nearly over 500 days or whatever, whatever the, the amount of days are, you've missed it. It's, it's incredible, you know. And every every set of supporters are different as well. I know, we all, I know we all want the same thing ultimately, but there's different there's different quirks about different supporter groups, you know. So, um, and it's just, yeah. So I, I like, for guys like yourself, I mean, I felt it as well, like, um, I, I've been in a little, almost like my own wee bubble because I've still been going along to games week in, week out, you know, during this whole thing. But um, my son's a bigger growth supporter because uh, I live in the town and uh, he's 15. And um, it, was, it was just after the summertime, they were starting to have friendlies coming up. And, and with my new job, I started at the Courier in March, uh, sorry, in April. And um, they 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 were saying oh we'll go away and cover some of these games and then it was I think it was Crossgates Primrose they had a friendly match and they had, against our bro yeah. and I said well I'll go away and cover it and get some of our stuff and Crossgates were allowing fans in so I said to my son would you like to go and oh well, you bit my hand off for it and uh, we're down in Crossgates and and like it was it was it was so emotional in the car because he'd been to the very last game before the shutdown down in Greenock, he went to Morton Arbroath with me. And and I had it hadn't dawned on me until I were in the car and he said to me, Dad, he said, This is the furthest I've been in a car for nearly eighteen months. And he said the last time I was this far was when we went to Greenock. And I was like, you know, even even like a run of the mill friendly match that yeah. you know that the sides are just preparing for the season and everything like that. And it meant so much to him to be in and amongst a crowd of maybe about a hundred people. So um, that's made me realise, you know, with seeing my son, um, because I'm I'm in that little bubble where I'm going to football as normal, you know. And I think speaking to a player last week, I spoke to Mark McCallum, who's out for for the forfer keeper, and he 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 was talking about how his dad hadn't seen him play like live for about five hundred days or five hundred twenty five days, and uh, but he was saying himself, you know, as players, we've been in a little bubble as well. We've not really thought about it because we've been going and playing our game as normal every week, and yeah. We've missed the atmosphere, we've missed the noise and everything, but we've still got to play football. It's only when you start to sit down and listen to people, the stories they've got and how much their lives have been impacted by not having that Saturday football, you know, so, yeah. So obviously, like for the fans that aren't able to go, can you talk a little bit about um, the Arbroath TV? I think we were one of the better ones, to be honest with you, because the club actually supported Arbroath, the, the, cl- the club supported us to make the stream as, as professional as possible, but... I know in the early days when we started, we've got a dodgy pixel lock camera that's 
trying to track the ball, supposedly, but it also tracks somebody's bald head instead. And we've got Dick Campbell that's going up and down, tracking him. I'm not joking, he's tracking him in between the, as he's walking down. So in the middle of this game, I was like game against Elgin, we had to get somebody to go down and give, give him a hat to put on so that it stopped tracking his head. And funny as that is for a fan, it's probably only funny for 30 seconds until they actually want to watch the game and they can't see the game because his camera's just following a bald head up and down. So... Um, that kind of thing for for fans, you know, I feel for them, you know. But we tried, we 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 tried to up it a little bit. And we got a, we we changed the camera system so it was a a manually operated one. It wasn't pixel or system, um, and we tried to add a bit of content as well, some pre match interviews, post match interviews, and we also. Uh, we also added like a, a second screen that we could look at so that we were fully aware of. Uh, not just what was happening on the pitch, but also the output that was going out to the supporters so that we could tell if there was problems instantly so that we could try and not troubleshoot, but we could we could explain to fans, you know, we, we understand you're having issues right now, but we will do our best to try and talk through the commentary. So I was just trying to find that balance. But I think Ferma, for me, um, is a character. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever heard any of his commentary, but he's a total character, heart and sleeve, um, and he was incredibly biased, um, but people knew that when he's coming on, you know. So I mean, he's celebrating goals and everything. And there's times, and there was a time in the very, very last game, uh, last season when they played against Morton, and um, it was in the, it was an injury time, and the goalkeeper Derek Gaston's going up to take a a, a free kick, and uh, he sh- he forgot that he was on the microphone. He said, "Take your time, Derek. Do what you're tell and everything, you know." So. I think I think people appreciate that, you know, and I think with your podcast, people will appreciate the fact that you're a real fan. You're just somebody that feels the emotions they feel. We we used to have a commentator. I can't remember his name, but um, like in the early two thousands, and he would scream every time like they scored. And there was a player called Peter Lindau who played for us who used to call Peter Lindau do 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 every time he scored, <laughs> and it was just like well beyond any, like you could never watch it as like a neutral or whatever but it was it was fantastic but yeah um no i i, I do love the the you know, you're watching a club uh, stream you're going to get a little bit of bias and obviously you're meant to be um professional broadcasters for the same as well like you're yeah. representing the club at the same time as well and no i get that like um i think we we were we were a bit more towards the the neutral end with our streams and stuff like that, um, but I, I do enjoy it when you get it. Apart from when Paul Payton turned up at Dundee United in our Scottish Cup game and talked about how rubbish we were and how we were an absolute shambles and that uh, Dundee United would put like six past us and all that. Uh, but mainly just because we hate ah, Paul yeah, Payton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be annoying. I'd be annoying. But I'd be annoying. But what what we did though, we tried. I mean, we were incredibly biased, but. For all our research, because I—I I mean, I've watched that bro for it must be about near on twelve years that I've covered them. You know, week almost week in week out. Um, so I—I I, I instantly know the players. I know where they are. So I don't really need to do much research on our bro. But every week, me and Fermer, we just spent the the, the build up researching the away team so that when we came on, we at least had some facts and figures about the away team, and it, we could at least pass some comment because you're aware of the fact that. Some of our games were subscribed more heavily by the way supporters than they were the home supporters at times, you know. And um, so you do have to give something. But I think Abroth, because of my new job, um, I, I'm still covering quite a lot of Abroth games. Um, they could, but I, I'm not guaranteed I'm going to be at their game every week. And I'm, and I'm doing a lot of the Angus clubs and I'm spreading it out. I mean, it was at Forfar on Saturday, but the 
Um, I've given, I've stepped aside, so they're changing the way they're doing it. Uh, bro. So they're going to now. They've got a very professional um, and knowledgeable um, a broof reporter doing the the main country, but they're inviting in a way a team commentator to every game, which I think is a good idea as well. You know, because it's a, a real balance. You know, so well, so they can both be as biased as they want because you're, you're getting both halves. Absolutely. It. Well, we had the problem on Saturday at the Dunfermline game, which we will probably touch in the main part of the pod mm-hmm. because you're just incredibly spiteful that way. But um, Dunfermline. Uh, they barred our commentators from commentating in the game, so we we have like an audio commentary that we have for something. So you can some people listen to it at the game and stuff, and like I've done that before in the past. But you listen to an audio commentary and they barred them from coming in um, on Saturday. Yeah. They're really, like, oh, you know, oh, it's just an excuse to get people into the ground and all that. And I'm just like, well, aye, but like you know, you're going down a slippery slope when you stop people coming in, and then when you need that down the line somewhere else, and then we can just yeah. have to go nuts. You don't need to do it for us. Um, but yeah, so no, it's good. To, it's quite. It's good to see a, a bit of hospitality um, towards the commentators instead of uh, what happened last week. So I've got three questions for you uh, to end uh, the interview. Um, so first of all, can I get uh, a prediction of a score for uh, next week? Oh, you're putting me on it here because I'll be perfectly honest. I'm a little bit spooked by the the result at East End Park because. In my mind, I had Dunfermline down as win- uh, winners of the of the league, you know, um, ahead of Kilmarnock. Uh, but I'm spooked by that. But equally, I know how Abrof can play. If the wind machine's cranked up to the levels I hope it's cranked up to, I think it'll be a draw, to be honest with you. I think it, it might be a two-each draw. Your thoughts for Abrof for the season? How do you think you'll do? Do you think they'll avoid relegation? Do you think playoffs? What What's your thoughts? I think I honestly think they'll be comfortable in the league again this year. Um, they, I think I spoke to Dick Campbell earlier today, and Dick Campbell he is going to see this, but he says to me, "I think we've got a better squad than we had last season. I think the players we brought in are better than ones that have gone out." Um, I tend to agree with him. You know, I speak about Liam Henderson and Nicky Lowe. They've been key signings. The thing they need, I keep going back to, they need a goal scorer. If they get a goal scorer, they'll comfortably finish seven for or even six in the league. The ironic thing is, in the first uh, season up, they've um, was curtailed, and and then it was obviously decided on a points average, and they'd play, uh, they'd played one game less. They ended up finishing fifth, you know, um, that year. Um, they finished last season, although it went down to the last day before they confirmed their safety. Um, they were fairly comfortable, you know. It never, it never at any point last season. Um, apart from the early start, did you think are both are going down? And I don't think they'll go down again this year. I don't think they'll go up. Um, I think Dick Campbell I did an, a big interview with Dick Campbell in the summer. Um, quite a quite a an, an interesting interview, and he said that he would love to manage a bro in the Scottish Premiership. That he's got that ambition, he's determined, and he wants year on year wants to build. But I think that's probably a step too far for them. You know, I think I think the club would find that difficult. Because then, at what point do you decide we need to go full time? Um, because part time suits our bro. Um, they can almost, in some respects attract players who have got a very good job away from football that don't want to take the risk of going to a full-time club and then losing their role there after a year when they've got the financial security of a job away from football and a good wage at a growth. So players like I'm talking about Tom, Tom O'Brien could probably play in any, any, any of the teams in this league, but he's got a very good job away from football and he's getting a good wage at a growth. So sometimes it's beneficial for a growth to be part-time. 
Uh, the thing I find ironic is that you, uh, are both are struggling with a goal scorer and you've literally let the man go who Ronaldo and Messi have posters of on their wall, Chris Doolan. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, I think I think Chris, I think. I think Chris wanted to leave our broth. He, he did it. He was he was he was getting chances, and then he wasn't getting chances. But when he left, it was a very, it was with a very heavy heart. You know that the club let him go because, from what I can gather, maybe he didn't have the impact on the pitch that we had hoped for. But off the pitch, he obviously had incredible influence because Dick Campbell was absolutely gutted that he left. Um, absolutely gutted. He said he's one of the nicest uh, men I've I've worked with in football. Um, and I know he was adored by the Partick supporters. I know that when, after his testimonial season, I mean, you were you were all gutted when he left. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, his career it has he possibly left. Apart from Partick's perspective, he possibly left at the right time because his career hasn't quite kicked off the way or kicked on the way you would have hoped for for him mm-hmm. uh, since then. But I mean, I spoke to him towards the end of last season, and it's his attitude that I was really impressed by. It was the fact he'd he'd scored a goal, he'd come in. Because there'd been an injury to Jack Hamilton, the the striker we had on loan from Livingston, he scored a great goal. But after the interview, saying I'll probably be on the bench next week because Jack will be fit, and he says that's fine. I'm quite happy to play my role and play my part. There's very few players that do that. They normally chuck the the, the toys out of the pram, and you know they're demanded demanding a starting slot. I've scored a goal. I should be playing next week. So yeah, I can see why you liked him as a person. Yeah. The final question that I want to ask you, the most important one. The biggest one in Scottish football, I would say, you know, the one everyone asks about Arbro Football Club. Any smoky tips, recipes, places to go? What what should we be using our smokies for? You know, tips to smuggle oh. them into the ground. Wow, wow! You you have invited the wrong person on your podcast today. <laughs> should have got my wife on. I'm actually vegetarian, right? Which actually stuffs this one right up for you. My wife loves smokies. Um, I mean, we've got. I think there's maybe about a dozen shops down in, the, in, in what we call the fit of the tune that you can go and get your smokies from. So I'm not sure what one to advertise. I know I know Gavin Swanky's parents still have their shop uh, down Swanky's. It's still, it's still open if you want to go and buy smokies from there. You should visit and get your smokies. I mean, I've been down there and I've got a friend who um, had come back over from Australia. He's emigrated to Australia. And when he came up to visit, he wanted to get smokies vacuum packed and sent out to his home in Australia, which he did. Um, so. So they are popular, uh, but I'm definitely the wrong guy to give you recipe tips, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank you, it's been a pleasure. No problem, hopefully speak to you soon. All right, good luck uh, for Sunday, Thank you. not for the week after. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cheers. take care. of the wind You can own the earth and still all you'll own is earth until you can paint with all the colors of the
David, I'll ask you, you can give your thoughts on how big a, a win you think it was, but I'll also ask you, do you think it's good we've got a week off now to try and get some new signings in, or would you have preferred a game this week to try and build build on the momentum we've maybe uh, created on Saturday? Well, I mean, sadly, the the downside of watching the game on the Sunday is that the open-top bus company was shut, so I couldn't uh, book it over the phone that day. But no, like, I... I, I do I do feel that like the two litmus tests are going to be Dunfermline and Kilmarnock and I think as well I was very worried about the Dunfermline game purely because Dunfermline looked to be playing 4D chess when everyone else is playing checkers uh, this, in terms of basically building a team, stealing all of the players that we wanted, investing lots of money and then getting off the ground in the League Cup you know, they, they just looked like a, a, a team that Looked like they were they were just gonna they were gonna be a real credible threat, and I was very worried coming into this that I thought that this was gonna be our toughest challenge, more so than Kilmarnock. And then the way that Dunfermline just looked so ordinary, they they did not look special at all. He kind of he gave me a lot of confidence in that that would have been a huge game for Dunfermline and Fissel, just with everything that's went on with us over the last couple of weeks, and as well as that Dunfermline wanting to, maybe more so than us, Dunfermline laying down a marker in the league because they've obviously kind of pottered about in the championship for a couple of years and they look like they're making strides to try and get out of the league. And I think that to go to East End Park, where famously we've been quite terrible recently, and lay down that sort of marker and just totally blow them out of the water is is a great sign. I, I would agree with Jamie, actually, in the sense that we... Um, have historically been terrible until Christmas. I can't remember the last time we were good like before Christmas. I even in the top six season, I think that the stat was if they if the league had started um, in October, we would have been in the uh, the Europa League. Um, if the if the league had started in October, but our our August September form kind of dragged us back down to like six. Like we we historically have been really bad, and we've always had to play catch up, even in the like League One season, I mean, we were, what, eight, eight points behind Falkirk at the shutdown? Um, or six points behind Falkirk? Like, we, we went into the Boxing Day game needing a win, and we didn't get a win, and I remember us all going, oh, well, that's it, that's the week chuck to take playoffs and all that. And then we had our run of form afterwards. I, I'm a bit torn about whether having a game next week would have benefited ourselves. I do agree that we we probably should be getting some signings in, try and get them in this week and bed them in. You've got a week to bed them in. It should be great. Um, but it is a case of you've got the momentum where we're top of the league. I mean, everyone, you look at anybody who's like a Fiscal fan online at the moment and just that wee lift that everyone has on like a Sunday or a Monday when they look at the table and they see us top. And I know it's only two games. I mean, it used to be um, they wouldn't even print tables until the third game. Because, you know, it was so early or whatever, but, you know, you take what you can get in a moment. And I just think that we are, um, we, we really have a bit of a bounce on our step at the moment. And it would be nice to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, but in terms of the title, I do think it'll, we will we'll be contenders. I think the game against Kelly is going to be the big one, as Reese says. They will shit his victories, 1 0s, and they will put pressure on teams and get results that way. And I think for us, that's going to be the big litmus test. After nine games and after playing Kilmarnock, we'll know where the title tilt will be. But I, I do feel that 
a team who's putting pressure on us and grinding at shithouse victories, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be as effective on us because we are so forward thinking in that sense and we are always you know very attack minded at the moment where we are putting so much pressure on them as well that I, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the the, the grinds that Kelly might have against other teams I think we may maybe have enough grit about us to get by on it but yeah after nine games that's where we start thinking about the title What I would say David um, just about having a game this weekend I'd love if we were playing away at Arbroath this weekend but I definitely wouldn't want to be playing in a Betfred Cup because you look at it, it's Dunfermline that took our second place spot and they're away at Ibrox on Friday night and I love a cup run as much as the next guy. I'd love to be into the latter stages of the cup but if we were playing at Rangers at Ibrox on Friday I just could not be asked for that game one but the likelihood of being we'd end up getting a doing it would kill our momentum more than anything and it'd put us obviously no back to square one but it kind of put you on a wee bit of a downer going into Arbroath so I think it's actually kind of a good thing we've got that wee rest instead of playing in a cup game that you might there's a good chance you'll get scudded in Yeah I think that's a good point Rhys I, I want to ask you a question because I feel like there's been too much positivity and positivity when you're a Partick Thistle fan is a dangerous thing so I don't know if any of you watch or any of the listeners watch golf or follow the No Lane Up podcast on Twitter but basically they've got a running joke where Louis Tazen is normally winning major championships at the 36 hole or 54 hole mark and the joke is how is he going to finish tied second from here we're already we're, we've given up we've made ourselves odds on favourites tonight so how are Partick this one not going to get promoted from here that gives me shivers that question because I, I know that there is an answer there I just don't want to contemplate it I I, I am going to say it will be I hate to say it capital we're going to lose at Capital and that will be how we, we end up <laughs> bottling the title. We'll do it at Morton <laughs> and then get beat by them to do it. That's, that's where my prediction is. Morton or Summers S. Air, one of the two, the most unbearable. I'd say take a doing or Kelly. If we get like demolished by Kamarnik, then I think that would kind of kill the title hopes a lot. It would kind of kill a lot of the buzz. I think the most thistle thing we could do is probably like, draw it home to, I don't know, Morton or or Ayr in like, one of the last games. Because you remember last season it was home draws to like Forfa, home defeats against Peterhead when you didn't really expect it that tripped us up as much as it. And I think that's what's probably going to trip us up. Uh, we'll move on from um, not fantasising but imagining horrible things happening to us. Um, I was going to ask you, do you still think we need to strengthen? And I'm going to guess the, the answer is, is yes to that. But Alan McMillan again has got in touch with a better question. He's asked, um, do you think we've got a succession planning in place for the older players like Foster and those that are likely to leave at the end of the season like Stone? Um, and he's also asked, who would you like to see come in as one of the three promised by Nicole? So I'll just open that up to anyone that wants to come in. Do we think we're planning effectively for the future at the moment? And does anyone have any any players they've got their eye on? I'd say we are planning well for the future. Like you know, we've got a lot of young prospects that McCall clearly rates highly, like you know Billy Owens and James Lyon and Gospel Charlie. We've got quite a few in there that he clearly seems to rate. So I'd say we do have youth for the future that hopefully will be exciting. You know, it's not 
it's not been unknown for Thistle to have a player that, you know, who's like 18, 19 and, you know, fans get buzzed about them for a while and they go out and loan, you know, they don't play a huge amount in the loan spell and then that's it, they're gone. But, you know, it's happened before. We've had young players who've gone out and loan, you know, Liam Lindsay, for example, or we've just had one country into the club like Fitzy and they've done really well for us and made a big impact on the first team. So I'd say we definitely do have the planning for the future with uh, young players. We very much are t- two reasons. I mean, when we had McCall on, he very much, he said it in various interviews as well, but he, he talked a lot about the sort of current crop of like under 17s, 18s that are coming through where he sees like five or six of them playing uh, playing in the first team um, and some of them going on playing 100 games. We, I think we, we have been a, a team that are very much, we, we can give opportunities from time to time and players can make a mark and make, and make you know, loads and loads of appearances. And I think that McCullough is building a team of players who will be here for quite a while. And I think McCullough has that pool where he can convince a player who maybe would leave to get behind the project and stay for another year. I mean, you look at like Doc and Banzo, I, I just I just can't imagine <laughs> any idea of a team without them now. It's just a case of I can see them being there for years. They are they're gonna be one of those constants for me, I think. And even then you've got like Senna, for example, uh, the back, who obviously had a bit of a tough patch near the end, but he's 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 gonna get his opportunity again. I think he's gonna take it and even people David, like can I ask you while you're on Doc and Bannigan? How the pool that Ian McCall has, could you see Ross Docker and Stuart Bannigan playing together in the same team in League One for any other manager? No, absolutely not. I don't see them, either of them playing in League One uh, on their own, never mind the both of them. No, definitely not. McCall loves Doc, McCall loves Banzo. I, I feel like they're going to be there forever. And even like someone like Graham, who is old, we talked about it you know, last week about how he could be here for a couple of years. Rudden as well, I think, is one of those people where the people who are here love the club. It's not just, you know, one one in the championship carousel of teams you go to and between like Morton and Ayr and Queen of the South. Like, they all seem to genuinely love it. And, like, that that can have a great pull on players, I think. I mean, you look at the likes of Doolan, Wallace and Erskine, um, who probably could have went at some point. I know Erskine went to Dundee United, but, like, you know, they, they, they were constants for um, a while and there would have been offers there that I think we are moulding that team of players for the future who can, who will stay and love the club and play for the club and maybe choose us over, say, I don't know, a St. Johnson or a St. Mirren, you know, a sort of lower level SBL club where they might get an offer or whatever down the line and then they still stay with us because it's just a, it's just a better option for them. I think we're, we're cultivating that. We're the players we have will have for a while. We've got a crop of people coming through. We have a great youth academy. I think we're up to, what, 12 youth academy graduates who have played for the first team now. I know not all of them have been runaway successes, but you look at some of the players that came through now and what they're doing, we're clearly doing something right, and I think they definitely we we are building for the future. I don't even think we've got the best youth set up, or even close to the best youth set up in, in Scotland, but it is encouraging the signs from that, but I think even more importantly, if Ian McCall's proven anything in his career, it's that he can pull a really impressive signing out of the bag just when he needs it. We've seen it in almost every transfer window since he came in, and if we do need 
a player at short notice, like if Foster calls it a day at the end of next season, if if any of the sort of old guard call it at the end of the day next season, I think Ian McCall, I, I wouldn't trust anyone more than McCall to pull somebody in who's going to do the job there and then for the team and for the club. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you because you didn't you didn't chip in about the succession, but I'll ask you about any names you think you'd like to see McCall. He's promised three three new ones, uh, says Alan. So any any names? Uh, the name that people have been mentioning has been McDade. Obviously, we've been speaking about that. The other one that has been mentioned was Jake Hasty. But I mean, I'm struggling to actually think of anyone off the top of my head. Like last season, I was Tony Andrew. Bang- Tony Andrew. Nah, no, nah, I was literally saying last season I kept banging on about the same players like Andrew Reese Cole and Liam Buchanan when we were in League One. But this season, I don't. I don't actually know. There's no one out there that is like any big player that I can see is bringing in for like, the positions that we need. I don't think there's any obvious right right back or, but I mean I'm, I want a right side of fullback but any fullback out there, I don't think there's any real obvious choice, any free agent or a loan that people can see coming in. I'm not sure but I don't know what you guys think. I, that's interesting that you mention that because it's kind of like it feels like in previous seasons maybe where we would have panicked a little bit and got somebody off the championship carousel, like an ex-Morton player or somebody who is at eight or whatever, or like somebody who's maybe in the premiership has maybe went down a level or whatever. And you would kind of go, you'd always have people saying, oh, this guy at Queen of the South might be quite good and stuff like that. And we've not really had that this year. We, we very much have a, a a vision in terms of what we want. And he's really picking the place to fit that vision as opposed to just going, this guy's quite good for Queen of the South. Why do we get him? And um, I don't know. I, I, it feels like it's a bit different in terms of the signing targets that we're looking at, I think, from previous years, where it it really feels that McCall is picking the person for that position and for his, for his vision of the team. And I, I don't think you're going to get your guy from Inverness coming in that, you know, was quite all right. Inverness and fans quite liked, but then he's just quite rubbish for us. I don't think you're necessarily going to get that. We'll move on to our Partridge Thistle question this week, which... Is going to go a bit deeper than the normal um, in light of Lionel Messi's um, slightly disappointing maybe move to PSG. I'm going to ask you, when have you ever felt let down by somebody that you've never met? Give me a minute. Is this in special terms? Or? No, just, just in general life, Jamie, when have you ever been let down by somebody you've never met? I've got one. Chris Jebno for ruining Doctor Who. It's a great shout. It's a great shout. Actually, I'll do one. It's a very, very topical one. It's going to be next week that I feel it's going to happen, right? So, obviously, I, none of you, I don't think, are, are big wrestling fans. But there's a guy called CM Punk. He's the biggest wrestler in the world for a while. Yeah, I don't know yeah. and he quit. The guy did UFC or something. Yeah, he quit WWE and he said, fuck this, shove your job out of your ass. I've saved my money and I went and retired. And he spent the next four years just going to hockey games, living my dream of just quitting his job, living off his money and going to, not Far Hill, but the hockey equivalent of Far Hill for him. And that was the only time ever seen him. He'd write comics, do a film every so often, but he was doing stuff he enjoyed. And then, but he was like, no, I don't need to go back to wrestling. I'm enjoying my life. I've retired. I don't need to do that anymore. 
and he's coming back on Sunday. And I'm like, the dream is to just quit your job and never go back and just live off your money and enjoy yourself. Don't don't go back to wrestling. You hate it. Like you talked about how much you hate it. Don't do it. So yeah, next week when CM Punk turns uh, comes up on AEW, I'm going to be disappointed because he should have just stayed retired and enjoyed his life. See, I've got a, a thing where I'll just come in where I was disappointed. It's not really one individual person, but we'll stick on the, the female wrestling. I used to be mad at wrestling when I was younger. I don't really watch it as much anymore, but back in the day, I used to love it. I had like every figure on that. And you remember, they used to come to Brayhead Arena, like WWE. Um, yeah. I went to, I had tickets for that. And you remember, they used to go to like WH Smith or something, they'd do a signing. They didn't say who it was, they just said, oh, two WWE superstars are there for a signing. And the queue was mad. So I waited in this queue for about four hours and I'm thinking, class, I'm going to meet Jeff Hardy or something. And I get to the front of the queue and it's Kelly Kelly and Melina. And see, as a wee guy, you're absolutely fuming me. Sat there for five hours to get hit with Kelly Kelly and Melina, man. But Kelly Kelly should have had a nice haircut, so yes. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the, the sport theme. I know I mentioned golf earlier. Um, although Jamie's Chris Chibnall shit was excellent uh, and the Timers children is one of the, the biggest national disgraces of, of recent times. But uh, I'm going to go Bryson DeChambeau because I think um, he's a guy I really want to get behind and I think he's a really interesting golfer. I think he's quite engaging as well with the sort of content he puts out and the insights he gives. But then he just constantly does stupid, stupid stuff like not get vaccinated and then say he doesn't need it hit the ball straight into fans d- deliberately and not shout four because that's where he's, he's aiming where the, the fans are because the fans are stood in places that normal players couldn't reach but he can but then doesn't shout four even though he aims for them and just generally being a bit of a dick and and also shouting the bed in recent um, events where I have had money on him so regularly felt down felt let down by him even though I'm, I'm still willing to give him one or two more chances just before we finish, uh, I just wanted to mention uh, Maryhill uh, Borough Halls are currently um, hosting a, a competition for people to vote for a flag for Maryhill. Um, there's a whole bunch of different designs. One of them is a, uh, a, a Thistle-inspired design with red, yellow and black on it. Uh, you can go to the Maryhill Borough Halls Facebook and you can vote on it. I believe you just do whatever reaction you want for whatever flag you want. Uh, it may be quite good to uh, vote for the Thistle one and if you are listening from Thistle you might want to get one of the flags up uh, whichever one it is As always thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw We don't have a game this week but we'll be back next week with a special episode As always stay safe wear a mask and buy a season ticket <laughs> <laughs>